Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation. Because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hello there, and we're nearly at the end of an eternal winter with England's just one more day of test cricket to go and the test match in Christchurch, well, you could say poised, with New Zealand 42 for no wicket, needing 380 to win. Uh, England, of course, needing 10 wickets to level the series. And Simon Mann's been watching it, and he has a nickname, which is Mr Grumpy. And you are a bit grumpy today, aren't you? You've got something to get off your chest. Yeah, I'm not normally that grumpy, Simon, as you well know. That, that nickname is ironic, I'm sure. But tonight I am grumpy, and it's about the playing hours, the playing conditions for this test match. And it is something which actually I flagged up before the game started, so I'm not being wise after the event. But basically, we lost time today because of bad light. That's just one of those things. It was very heavy cloud cover this time of year in New Zealand, not easy to you know, get a test match in. The point is, tomorrow, we're not starting half an hour earlier. Time can be added on, but we're not starting any earlier. We're starting at 10.30, so 98 overs from 10.30, which means it's almost certain that when the game is moving towards its conclusion, we'll be off for bad light. It'll be practically dark. They can't start half an hour earlier because that was not in the playing conditions written by the administrators for the series, despite the fact that on the first two days of the match, we started and effectively... 10 o'clock as is now because the clocks have gone back so it's absolutely ridiculous we're starting half an hour later than on the first two days on the third and fourth and as it turns out on the fifth day basically we should be starting at 10 o'clock tomorrow that would give far more opportunity to get 98 overs in and far more opportunity for either side to win the test match you play for four days into a fifth day hard-fought game and it might well be I mean who knows tomorrow evening could well find a situation where New Zealand are 350 for eight, thrilling climax, and the players have to troop off because of bad light, when if they'd started half an hour early, if they'd had the forethought in the playing conditions to see this potential problem, which actually I did see before the game started, then, you know, then the game could play out to a, a thrilling climax. Uh, you know, it, it is absurd, and sometimes I just wonder about the people who plan 
for test cricket. You know, you might as well, it feels like you might as well take test cricket out and shoot it because, you know, the, the people are not doing the game, the service it deserves and requires. Well, that's certainly a good gripe to have. And, I mean, test cricket does have this amazing ability to to shoot itself in the foot every so often. I mean, I, I think back to <laughs> those sort of days where they put the floodlights on because of bad lights, but then the natural light is overtaken by artificial light and they go off the field. And ha- trying to explain that to sort of a 12-year-old who's gone to his first test match and he's excited by the, the players he's heard about and he's watching the game, and then these blaring floodlights are on and you can see the ball completely clearly and all the players go off the field with about 45 minutes left for play. And that often happens in English conditions where you get sort of you know, dull light at six o'clock. What's the point of putting all these floodlights up if they're then still causing the players to go off the field? And I, I suppose you could say with Christchurch that they haven't yet put the floodlights in. And it's, uh, I think it's a municipal ground, isn't it? Or a, a sort of open public space. And it's still kind of under construction. So maybe next time England come, there will be floodlights and this kind of thing won't happen. That's right. They are going to build floodlights here. They're going to be retractable ones because it is a public space. So they're going to put them in discreetly. And it's it's a fabulous venue. And the weather, generally speaking, for this test match has been fantastic. The point is the weather is perfectly okay to play at 10 o'clock in the morning because we played effectively at 10 o'clock in the morning on the first and second days of the test match. I was thinking, actually, Auckland during the day-night game, people rail a little bit against day-night test cricket. You know, not, I think it's won over everybody just yet. You know, the three test matches I've been to that have been day-night games has been quite cold in the evening, not particularly spectator-friendly. You know, it might well work better in, in warmer places in the world. I mean, I was thinking that West Indies, it might work very well. Um, the point is, of course, if, you, if you're playing day-night game, you take out one of the, the reasons for interruptions in, in cricket matches right out of the equation. You, you, you don't have to go off a bad light. I know that sounds stunningly obvious, but it is a major plus. Bad light is taken out of it altogether. And the only thing you have to really worry about, I suppose, is rain. But I mean, this situation is completely different from that. The other thing you could do, of course, you mentioned the, the floodlights... Uh, in England, sometimes when you know, test cricket is going on, they put the lights on and then they say, oh, no, the light's not good enough, even though the lights are on, is just revert to a pink ball. You know, we, we sometimes change a ball after 50 overs and they bring out a new one and say, no, we're going to play with this one. This is 50 overs old. Um, well, just find a pink ball that's 50 overs old and just play the last half an hour or hour's play with the floodlights on and the pink ball. Why not do that? Let's keep players on the field, for goodness sake. That's far too radical, and that also uh, doesn't take into account the fact that, of course, players playing in five-day test matches are very keen to get off the field. You know, we we cricketers, I mean, you know, you talk to most cricketers, they love a time when they can put their feet up in the dressing room because it's so endless being out there on the field for hours and hours and hours. So, you know, the favourite place for a cricketer is in the dressing room. I am, of course, talking tongue-in-cheek a little bit, but, I mean, it's an interesting idea... And yeah. I don't know, I just think back to all the kind of absurd reasons why cricket is called off. N- not least, I always think back to that ridiculous case at Headingley in 1988 when the West Indies were playing. And uh, it was a beautiful day, blue sky and sunny and everything. And Curtly Ambrose was about to bowl. And he came sort of rather gingerly running into bowl and stopped halfway through his run up. And, you know, Dickie Bird said he could just hear the gruff voice of Curtly in the distance saying, Mr. Dickie. Mr. Dickey, we have problem. 
and it was a burst water main at the end of his run-up. And so poor old Dickie Bird, who was always associated with bad light and taking people off the field, had to take people off the field in glorious sunshine and, of course, got predictably abused by heading in members who forget that sometimes that he was uh, one of theirs. And, uh, you know, why have you taken them off the field? There's no bad light and, and all this. And where's your light meter, Dickie? And Dickie Bird, of course, said, well, we don't need a light meter, we need a plumber. And they had to go and kind of dry up this sort of silly bit of wetness uh, over by the run-ups of the bowlers. And eventually play carried on about three hours later. But, uh, you know, I, I suppose it's it's going to be cricket's epitaph in a way so many little things are obstructive to to play you know sort of ridiculous pitches that you can't play on because they're unfit or uh, you know a stupid wet patch at deep mid off that makes umpires sort of stand over it for hours and you know people there waiting for play frustrated because they're paying 50 quid staring at green grass growing you know it's the most infuriating thing yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, that, that that one at Headingley that time, that was just one of those one of those things that can sometimes happen. I'm just talking about that, that sort of general uh, will to play. I think it's improved, actually. I think that the general will to play has improved. And I think the, the administrators in general have got the idea right that, you know, let's let's stay out there as, as much as possible. We did have the situation today when they went off a bad light, when Jack Leach... And Joe Root were bowling. Root obviously said, look, the light's deteriorating. If we're going to have to go off, uh, how about if I bowl my spinners? And it was OK for a while. And the umpires said, fine. But, of course, the, the other factor that has to be taken into account these days is the umpires. You know, there's a health and safety issue for the umpires because the, the batsmen hit the ball so hard. Not that actually Raval and Latham were looking to do that. They were just sitting on the splice and, and you know, just guiding New Zealand inching New Zealand forward towards a, a draw, who knows, or a position tomorrow when just possibly they could attack England's target later in the day if they were so inclined. It's, it seems unlikely, although, you know, West Indies managed it, score over 300 in a day against England at Headingley. So I don't think the umpires were in, you know, really under threat today, but there is that aspect to it. Bruce Oxenford, of course, goes out with his shield, doesn't he, in one-day cricket because the ball is struck so hard. So now that is a fact. But it did seem a bit absurd that with Root and... Uh, leech bowling they they went off for bad light but uh, you know it's just one of those really frustrating things and cricket you know, is so much dependent on the weather um what's going to happen on the final day well my f instinct my feeling is that england going to be hard pressed to take the the 10 wickets but teams these days are not that good at batting out the final day england just need 10 good balls or four mistakes and six good balls or whatever combination you like to think about. And they just hope the sun shines all day. The forecast is pretty good. Just hope the sun shines all day and they can get most of the overs in. The other point as well, actually, about tomorrow, which will be interesting to see, is the onus will be on England to bowl their overs quickly. Can they get the overs in? 30 overs in the first session, 60 overs by T, 90 overs by the scheduled close time, and then the extra eight overs that have been added on at the end of the day. So you know, the, the onus on England tomorrow, they can help themselves get those overs bowled quickly, move around the field quickly, give yourself the maximum chance to win the game. Great opportunity for Jack Leach. And the first test match, bowl England to victory and prove why people have talked about him in such complimentary terms over the last year or two. I, I like your suggestion about the pink ball. In fact, um, I've heard... A few people say, why don't we just play with the pink ball in all cricket? 
then why don't we play day-night cricket with the pink ball and day cricket, test cricket with the pink ball? Because actually it is more visible. You know, the red ball can get rather dull and in dimish light. It's not easy to pick up for the spectators, for sure. Never mind the players. I mean, the players have the advantage of the sight screens for, for the batsmen. But often you find in poorish light that the uh, the fielders are, are not sure. I mean, I don't know, that this whole sort of health and safety thing, you think back to that amazing victory England pulled off in Karachi when it was virtually dark. And still the batsmen could see the ball fine. I don't know about the umpires. And the fielders were clueless. But that was Pakistan's fault mm. for wasting time. So that in the end play was so late that actually the batsmen could see the ball but the fielders couldn't I think you're right actually it, it's easier for the batsmen than the fielders because at least the batsmen know where the ball roughly is coming from you know the, there's a sight screen behind I played in club cricket where you, you you can be fielding on a you know a dark evening and it really is difficult and if someone has a go you know a chop outside the cut shot outside the off stump and you're fielding at backward point and you don't see it then there is potential danger, at least if you're a, a batsman, you know roughly where the ball is coming from. I think that's the issue there. But I, I don't see the problem in substituting a, a pink ball for a red ball in a situation where you've got the floodlights on in a, in a test match. Now we've started playing pink ball day-night test matches. I, I don't see what the problem is. Um, you know, Cricket is about playing in all sorts of conditions, isn't it? If you lose the toss on a green top and it's overcast, that's tough luck. You know, if you win the toss and it happens to be a flat pitch and it's nice and sunny and you get two days to bat and then it's overcast to the other team, that's just tough luck. That's just the way it is. And I, I think we just need to play as much as we possibly can. And that actually would be one suggestion for, for playing on. I must say I'm envious. When we watch the, the, the pictures of, of New Zealand, especially this last test match, I mean, it's looked absolutely glorious. And I saw a feature, actually, on, on the telly of... Um, Michael Atherton and David Lloyd going off fishing with Ian Smith off the coast of Auckland. I mean, there are just so many beautiful vantage points. Actually, I, what I like about the New Zealanders, I think, the most is their sort of intrepid nature. I mean, if you go back in history, of course, it was Edmund Hillary who first climbed Everest, who was a Kiwi. And I was driving around the, the South Island, you know, a few years ago. And I, I remember just sort of driving along a lonely piece of road and suddenly got hailed by, by this that guy, thumbed me down, you know, who wanted a lift, a hitchhiker. And he smelt a bit funny, and he had a lot of kit with him. And he said, I need to get to the, the next place. You know, he needed to get to Greymouth or somewhere, sort of further, a bit further north. And I said, where have you been? He said, oh, I've, I've just been climbing Mount Cook on my own. And it got a bit windy at 15,000 feet, so I thought I'd better come down. And I, I just, you know, he was on his own, climbing on his own. And then I heard that story of um, Jerry Coney talking on the commentary about his batch, what they call a little sort of shack they have on the side of a hill in the Marlborough Sounds and no electricity. And they just go and sort of hang out in a, a little kind of wooden hovel for, you know, a couple of weeks at a time, Kiwis, on beaches or halfway up mountains. And I just I just love their spirit, really. It's an amazing country. I it's one of those countries you must come back to, I think, or you must go to, that sense of, of space and natural beauty, absolutely stunning. With the, when the cricket's on, really, we haven't had a great deal of chance to go around this time. I remember last time I drove quite a lot in New Zealand, down from Auckland to Napier, and there was a, for example, in Napier, there was a, a classic car convention. So on the road to Napier, there were all these amazing old cars 
were passing us. It was it was a, a wonderful sight. And then the the drive down from from Napier to Wellington or from Hamilton to Wellington, past Lake Taupo, and just stunning natural beauty in New Zealand. It, it is a place that I think you need to invest quite a lot of time in because there's there's so much to see, and there is that feeling of just being away from everything. I mean, geographically, of course, New Zealand is away from the rest of the world, but also New Zealand itself, you can you can really can escape. There's Abel Tasman National Park in, in the north of the, the South Island as well. I sound like an advert for the New Zealand Tourist Board, but it's, it, it, there is so much to, to see and do here, and it, it is de- it's definitely a place worth visiting, and you know, it's always nice to, to go back home, but you, I think you often leave New Zealand with a heavy heart. Well, actually, it's the one country I know that still gets the cream on top of the milk. You still get that sort of one and a half inch of, of lovely, lovely thick cream before you actually pour the milk out. So it almost has two functions in one, a bottle of milk. Well, let's hope England can really fuel themselves with plenty of New Zealand fibre and dairy products overnight so that the bowlers come out strong in the morning and England can somehow force their first victory of the winter in a test match. That will be something to really celebrate and and at least take the edge off what's generally been a rather disappointing winter. Don't forget, you can get your 20% off the subscription of The Cricketer magazine if you go to www.thecricketer.com forward slash podcast. There is an offer there for 20% off the subscription to The Cricketer magazine and this month's bumper issue previews the county season which of course is starting in just over a week's time so it'll be me and mr grumpy back tomorrow hopefully in a better mood to review england's victory in christchurch speak to you then thanks for listening sports social podcast network Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.